and it was it was it was all you can eat. So how <laughs> yeah. how can you go wrong? So at, at some point you're like, oh, no more lobster, please. Uh, <laughs> okay, one more. <laughs> DCL Duo fans, we just want to take a minute at the top of our show to thank some very special folks out there in our listener community, which is our Patreons. We really appreciate each and every one of them out there. Their monthly contributions help to keep this show going and defray some of our costs. So we wanted to take a minute to thank them personally. So I want to extend a thank you to Jonathan Heil, Jim and Deb Mason, Steve Creasy, Jeffrey Federson, Jennifer Swart, Chris Braga, and Steve Elsis. Thanks each and every one of you for the support you bring every month. We really, really appreciate it. And our commitment out there in our community is that we will not make money off of our Patreon. We simply use it to defray the cost and help put this podcast out. And if we're ever at a point where we are making money from sponsorships and Patreon, we will either donate that to charity or find ways to reinvest it into our listener community. So with that, thanks again, Patreons. If you're interested in hearing your name at the top of one of our shows, then please head over to patreon.com slash DCL duo and join one of our support tiers. Thanks again. Now onto our show. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast. And this week, we are rejoined by another amazing cruising couple, dare I say another amazing cruising duo, Mikhail and Dan, who were on episode 109 with us recently, but we wanted to have them back on to talk about a fabulous cruise that they just took. So let me start by welcoming back Mikhail and Dan. Welcome. Thank you. I love Thank that you. we're another cruising duo, just like you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that duo word is trademark. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, we always like to start our show with uh, Disney and cruising backgrounds of our guests. You were on recently, so maybe we could do the abbreviated version, but would love to have you share with our guests who you are and, and your connection back to Disney and cruising. Yeah, so uh, we operate two blogs, sometimes home and sometimes sailing. And ultimately, we're all about adult travel, no kids, no pets and we're we're not luxury we're just it's it's approachable travel but ultimately what our goal is just to educate people and get them excited to travel and get them out in the world and experiencing all that travel has to offer and our disney connection is um dan's first big cruise ship was disney cruise line i've been on a few myself but it's always more fun with your best friend and partner. Our site that Dan mentioned, sometimes sailing.com is not because we're avid sailors. It's just because we go on cruise sailing. <laughs> sometimes we have people say, oh, like, what's the best race you've ever done? And we're like, we, we have to stab you right there. We don't sail <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> just tell them that the America's Cup we won five years ago. You know? I know. <laughs> yeah. See if they, yeah, they're like, hmm, scratch their chin. Um, but we do like sailboats. We like being on them. So Mainwind Jammer cruising is really cool because you are on a big schooner sailboat. So that was really special. Well, and, and before we dive into your cruise, my recollection is that your your sometimes sailing is really focused on small ship cruising, right? So the river cruising, sailboats, exactly. those sorts of things, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. what's your, how many small ship cruises have you been on? You know, it's so funny. I think I said this in 109 too, but like, we're not like counters, <laughs> um, so I like I can't tell you how many states I've been to. I don't know how many countries I've been to. I don't know somewhere between five and ten. Yeah, not a least, ton. Yeah, not a ton, but we love it. So yeah, I am curious. The interest in sailing. Were either of you? It sounds like you don't you don't sail yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> did either of you of your families have sailboats or something? Like where did that yeah. where did the sailing interest come from? My parents, who are actually just here, we were talking about this last night, have roots in sailing because my grandfather sailed a lot and they owned a sailboat. And my dad, you know, my grandfather told him that he would only go out with my dad because it was more fun that way. And then when he met my mom, they would go together. So they have really good memories of it. And I always remember my grandfather had little, you know, truly sailboats in bottles. (laughs) <laughs> like a in a bottle um, on, you know, his, he's an artist. So his art studio shelves and everything. And then my grandma's name was Mickey and he always had the back of the boat, even after they sold the sailboat when I was little, it was called Mickey's make. So they always had the beautiful wooden, what they call it? Like, like literally the wooden banner, like the name on the back of the boat. 
So I always remember that growing up. And we have some of our best friends. They live in Charleston and they are avid sailors. Truly, like he would be in America's Cup. (laughs) 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 Um, So we just love it. And we love being on the water. And, you know, we like a small, intimate experience, whether it's a river cruise with 200 people or this uniquely, you know, under 25 people, just around 20 people, a little a little more. So sailing is more so in my family's background, but you know, you go to some destinations on the water, whether it's, you know, the Finger Lakes lakes of New York, or if you go to Michigan, you know, and they all have lakes, they don't necessarily have access to an ocean. So a lot of the time we'll do a boating excursion and, you know, a sunset sail is kind of the most popular thing, but we've done that and it's, it's great. So uh, let's talk about this trip you took on the Windjammer American Eagle. Do you want to describe for folks? I thought Windjammer was a cruise line, but it sounds like more of a collection of ships that people sail with passengers. Do you want to describe for folks what, what Windjammer Maine is, the, the one that you sailed on? Yeah, so it's Maine Windjammer Association, and I'll let Dan take it away after I say that. There are other cruise lines, I guess you could call them, that have you know schooners. There's other boats that, like Star Clippers, that have, I mean, that's like a mega sailboat, like multiple masts, more than two. I think most of the Maine Windjammer Association, the masts are, you know, the big vertical wood pieces that go high in the sky and, and carry the sails for anybody that's not a sailor that's listening. But Maine Windjammer Association is unique because it's independently owned by each of the, of the boat owners. Coming into it, I was really surprised at just the aesthetic of the ships and like, what is a schooner? Learning that as as we were doing our research to go on the trip, it's a it's a big sailboat, like a big sailboat. A, you think like Boston Tea Party, kind of the, that look <laughs> and feel, right? So it's, it's beautiful wood. It's just, it, it really goes back to the roots of sailing and you're harnessing the wind and you're, you're getting back to what you would think of when you think of sailing. The main Windjammers Association is so special because the, each one of the ships are privately owned and you can tell the, the passion and the love of each captain and owner uh, they put into it, restoring the ships, keeping the ships up to date, but also giving that experience to their passengers and the sailors. And it's literally like camping on the water and you become a sailor. You're you know, asked to help out with the getting the food up on, on to, <laughs> onto the deck. You're, you're asked to grab, grab the sail and, and grab some ropes and, and start hoisting the sail. It's not just sailing, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. Sounds like this is kind of um, in the vein of expedition cruising, you know, where you're, it's a more active style of, I'll say cruising, but sailing. I agree with you. And it's definitely not a luxurious experience. It's not roughing it. Like you're not intense on the, on the water, obviously, but it's definitely a little bit, um, rustic, rustic. Thank you. (laughs) you, Um, rustic. So adventure for sure. While it's not like an expedition, like, you know, uh, Aurora expeditions I'm thinking of, or Maple Leaf or uncruise, like kind of, you know, ice breaking cruise ships going out into Alaska. The main coast is really unique and special. And we were just surprised, like you said, Sam, by all the adventure, like you don't have a port that you're going to every day necessarily. The captain kind of just decides where he wants to take you. And you're really just navigating these little islands. There's just hundreds of islands off the coast of Maine. And that's really the beauty in the ship being able to sail around it. It's mostly kind of within harbors, very close to the coastline. And while you can't always see the coastline, it's not that far. You can see it most of the time. We were shocked by how turquoise the water was, not in like a Caribbean way, but like a jewel tone, almost like a teal. It was just gorgeous. And instead of stopping at a port and then an organized hike or, um, you know, environmental experience and learning session, because there's only, there were only 16, no, what did I say? 15 passengers, six crew. They moor, so they drop anchor in the harbor. So you you can't, you'd have to swim to the shore. (laughs) So you have to get into a rowboat. And they would ask us who wants to go onto this island. And either there was just walking around and exploring like a little kid would do and finding rocks and shells and bugs and all that stuff, moss and like little forests. Or like once or twice, we were by a town that you would walk around that was like a small main town that had, you know, all the charm that you would imagine a small main town would have with lobster traps and 
you know, small coffee shops and stuff to walk around. So yeah, that it was that was the adventure. And the adventure was where are we gonna go today? What are we gonna do? Is the fog gonna lift? Are we gonna go to the sea past a hundred <laughs> yards in front of us? Like that kind of thing. So it was definitely an adventure cruise. Yeah, I love that. One of the questions I want to ask is how you so how did you find Windjammer Maine? And then what was the process like for picking an itinerary, booking it? Like how, how did you land on on what you landed on in terms of your your cruise? So actually speaking of my parents, my mother went on one many years ago. And that's how it actually came into my life. And I knew about it in the first place. She went, my parents were married, um, but my parents had a hobby store, a retail store. They couldn't really leave together. So my mom would go on trips with friends from college and stuff she was still friendly with. So she went with one of her girlfriends and that's how it came into my life. And she always kind of like very much romanticized and had a great time. And I had, you know, always heard about it since the time I was in middle school. So when it came up kind of actually at a travel conference, I was like, oh my God, my mom went on one of these. And then, you know, we started talking to them and looking up itineraries, like you said, Brian, and seeing kind of what could fit into our schedule. And actually we were supposed to go last year, but the pandemic just killed their season. And I always thought of my parents who own their own business thinking like, this would be like if my parents owned a sailboat and they just were obliterated by the pandemic. Um, So we for sure still wanted to sail with them and support them. And they just moved over deposits from last year to this year for people who wanted to do that. They were, you know, really flexible about it. So that's how it came into our lives. And then in terms of the itinerary, it was funny because we were talking about different lengths of the cruises that we could go on, they mostly do three, four, or seven nights. I'll let Dan explain how we how we picked <laughs> what we did. We definitely wanted to jump into it and try it. The seven night seemed like a little bit of a more of a commitment, and the three night was like, oh, is that enough? So you know, we went right, <laughs> we kind of went right in the middle. Coming out of it, we're we're really glad we did that because you got you got to experience it all. Seven nights. Maybe a little long for us, but we could definitely understand how how you, you just like fall in love with the ship and you get into the into the rhythm of your day and you know like your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You plan your your day around that, but there's also those little spontaneous adventures along the way, and you start to lose track of time and yeah. really understand that it's just the ocean out there and you're just you're just part of it. We we jumped in at four day and uh, it was perfect for us. But there was another couple that was on the ship that has I think it was their fifth time back. So they they have a lot of a lot yeah. of repeat customers and yeah. you know it was great because uh, in the evenings you're sitting up on deck or down down below and people are telling stories and and this couple this particular couple that had been on previously telling stories about like storms they had gone through with the ship and with the captain and yeah. you know it was really interesting to get that background and and just you could you could tell how much they loved uh loved sailing but also just loved the ship and the connection they had with the captain also the thing that was great about them was that they used to sail and have a sailboat and then when the sailboat became too much to maintain as most boat owners know you know, the bane of their existence, <laughs> they decided to, they kind of dry dock their own boat. They said they built a special barn by their house and it's in there, but they just said, you know, for the cost of the cruise. So per person, it was less than $900 for, it was four nights. We got on Sunday night and we left Thursday morning. All your meals are included. Um, gratuity is not included. It's about five to 10% um, per person is what they recommend, but it's a really great value for what you're investing, what you get, the experience. And for this couple that Dan was talking about, I mean, you can't beat that cost for maintaining your own boat. (laughs) Right. Right. So they were like, this is such an amazing experience. Why are we going to pay for our own boat? It's a money pit. We just sail with American Eagle. And people become loyalists from what we understand to like the boat that they sail with. And they just, you know, keep going back like, like a family, especially with the captain. Now, does this the boat that you guys were on, do they mostly do these sailings in Maine or they, do they do other locations as well? Uh, they, I'm like thinking, so mostly Maine, but once in a while, like especially during winter when they need to maintain the boat, I do believe they take it to the Caribbean um, sometimes. But I know that for us, we specifically have never been to Maine. So we really wanted to have that kind of summer experience. 
definitely not the same as sailing in the Caribbean for a number of reasons. (laughs) I would say the most prominent and prevalent to us was how freaking cold it was on the boat, even during June. Yeah. It was really freaking cold. I thought we could have brought a thin winter coat and been, been good. Instead, we layered up with long sleeves, sweatshirts, scarves, Raincoats. Raincoats, hat. I could have brought gloves and been happy. And it was definitely warmer when it wasn't sailing, of course. But we went on boating excursions because we did a road trip around Maine for seven days afterwards. And we knew every boating excursion, we had to bring all the layers. Because even if it was 90 degrees on the shore, it was really freaking cold on the water. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what Dan was saying about the three nights, it kind of reminds me of Disney Cruise Line. You know, like a three-day, you're like, uh, I think it's a good gateway to get people on the ship and test it out. I think a lot of people do that, especially because it's so expensive. And then they can decide how many days they really want to be on the ship. But it kind of reminded me of that. Like like he said, seven days was a little too much for us to, com- to commit to without knowing what we were getting into. And the three nights seemed like a little too short. So four nights was the sweet spot. What's the demographics um, or what's the what's the target audience, I should say, for this type of sailing in your view? Hmm. That's an interesting question because the just the the folks that were on the boat with us was it was very mixed, but I would I would have to say if I was good venture I guess I would say a little bit older, probably forty to sixty. There is there is some stairs or a ladder or two that you have to climb up and down to get to your bunk below deck. So there is some limitations as far as physical limitations, but overall everybody on, on the on the ship was within that age range. Yeah. And not really kids. I don't think they really encourage kids that aren't teenagers to even come. Not kid friendly. What was it like on board during this period of time? You know, can't escape COVID still. And so I'm just wondering, how is the small ship environment in the uh, the current time? Yeah, there was uh, so no masks on board, but ultimately it was a way to kind of forget about the pandemic. It was great. Because we were out there, you know, and we had that feeling of the, the the layer of knowledge and knowing that most of the ship, if not all of us, were vaccinated, and um, really just yeah, being able to kind of forget about it for a, for a little bit, you know, and then getting back on shore and realizing, or or even when we visited uh, small towns, yeah, you know, it's like don't forget your mask, you know, right, like in jump case. in the rowboat and, and just in case. The reason we knew that people were vaccinated was because they asked us ahead of time to provide proof of vaccination. And the rule when we went at the, the second second week of June was if 95% of the ship had been vaccinated, you didn't have to wear masks. And that was the case. If it had not been the case, we would have had to wear masks. They were definitely cognizant of that. I mean, even, you know, everybody knows that this changes so frequently and fast with week to week. And then in terms of the physical ship, we're talking two decks. <laughs> the bottom deck you sleep on and the top deck that you're on during the day. Definitely some keeling. So some, you know, you're standing up straight, but the boat looks like it's diagonal. <laughs> so that was interesting. A lot of the time, you know, you taking naps is really fun on the ship. <laughs> You roll out of bed if you're on the wrong side. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. They t- they put us in a room that like you could technically kind of roll out the top bunk, almost like a trundle bed to make it sort of a double. But Dan is six two, and if he had sat up, he would have really like knocked his head out on the beam. So I slept up top, and he slept up on the bottom, and he had a move his feet a little bit to fit (laughs) (laughs) diagonal yeah like i think people that are six five should really consider like they would have to ask about the length of the you know longest bed i think they're probably all the same but but ask about that because that could be a problem what was the cabin like i mean we've mentioned rustic and i've seen i'm seeing a few photos online i mean it looks like a you know like almost like a log cabin experience kind of thing but what what was the cabin like what was in the cabin Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every ship is a little different. Like it's like a house, like every ship has their its own personality. Our ship was impeccable. I mean, it was so clean. The wood is gorgeous. Captain John Foss really runs a tight ship with the crew cleaning it. It's like constantly being cleaned, but the cabin itself is tiny, tiny, tiny. So we sailed with somebody named Jeff Jenkins and his travel site is 
Chubby Diaries. He's a great guy. And that perspective was really needed because if you're a heavier person and sailing, you know, you have to consider the bathrooms are, you know, a shower separate from the toilet. They're really small. Cabins are really small, not just the bed, but I, you can't even call it a hallway, like in the room. I mean, it's the size of like a walk-in closet at best, at best. <laughs> so like one person can stand up next to the beds, I presume. And then there's a door right there, right? Right. Right. My mom made a joke. She said, well, Dan, you could have just, you know, moved the mattress on the floor and slept on the floor. And Dan was like, there was no room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So each cabin had a sink so you could, you know, brush your teeth and everything and you could drink that water, um, which they make clear as soon as you're on the ship. And then they have two beds that are bunked for the most part, right? There was mm-hmm. like a little it's cute, like a little skylight, like a little like it wasn't even as big as a porthole. It was like maybe a five, six inch diameter. You could like move a little shade on and off if you wanted some daylight in there. They had lights. Oh, and the nice thing about his ship was that he puts little fans, like really little, like a little bigger than you would take a personalized fan to Walt Disney World to cool off. But that was nice because we always sleep with a fan for white noise, really. But it was nice to have that air circulating. And we know not every ship has that because we've seen some packing lists that recommend that you bring a handheld fan or a small fan. So... And then the other thing is kind of the luggage you bring. They recommend that you pack in a duffel or a backpack because your hard suitcase isn't going to be able to fit anywhere. So that would just be really a a nuisance for you. I I would also point out, so don't plan on doing any work while you're on board in your room. (laughs) So there's really not not enough room to spread out even a laptop or anything like that. But there's no power that way. So you, you're you not going to be able to plug in. There is a cigarette lighter type, yeah, like, you know, power, oh. AC, whatever that is. Um, so you can charge your cell phone. Candidly, like you're you're in and out of service just right. because you're so far away from shore at some, at some points. The phone became a de facto watch clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you do a lot of photography on board, Mikkel? Yeah. <laughs> not only did I do a lot of photography, I rented a robust lens uh, for any camera geeks out there, a 200 to 500 millimeter lens I rented from Borrow Lenses, which was great because I wasn't sure if I wanted to purchase one. And now I'm like, I could just rent it and I'd have to rent it 10 times to even make make sense to buy one. But um, I got it because I wanted to photograph. I'm like like a senior citizen, which is fine. I wanted to photograph birds. (laughs) (laughs) And if we saw any seals or anything, the interesting thing about the Maine Windjammer Cruises is that, you know, talking about where it goes, they don't go far from the coast and the harbors, which means we, we had somebody say, oh, are we going to see whales? Uh, and one of the crew members was like, probably not because whales are really out in the ocean. And after we went on a whale excursion in Bar Harbor, Maine, we had to go out like three or four hours before they even tried to start spotting whales. So... Yeah, you probably won't see whales. So I had my big camera lens for the whales after our Windjammer cruise. But (laughs) it was really cool because a lot of what you see is like, they call them cottages, but they're really like rich people's homes along the coast. (laughs) (laughs) They're huge. So that was kind of fun to to photograph. Definitely took a lot of pictures. Otherwise, definitely took videos. Um, We'll share some pictures with you guys. There was like this random horizontal band of a rainbow that appeared. It it wasn't even raining. It was really magical. That was a good pixie dust moment for all the Disney fans. We talked about sketching and photography. What else was there to do like on board? Did passengers play games together? Someone grab a guitar at some point? Like, What was going on on the, on, on the ship during the day to entertain yourself? Great question. We, we were teamed up. Unbeknownst to us, there was a actually a watercolor class happening uh, on the ship. No, so. I did. I knew it was it's part of it. You could sign up for it. I'm the one who books the travel, so that's fair that Dan didn't really know. (laughs) (laughs) Is there glaring going on in the background? You knew there was watercolor? Okay, Okay, so there's so you were Dan, you're saying you were teamed up. There was there was a lot of different activities happening on the on the ship. There was a watercolor class that was that was happening uh, that you can that you can sign up for and take your own individual uh, instructor and be part of that class. So that was happening. There was also story time. The captain read us a story one night down in the galley. 
then um, we did have two people bring their guitars and uh, we had a, our own American Idol right there on the ship <laughs> the one night, cool. which was phenomenal. <laughs> and then there was also just getting to know the other passengers and having those conversations. Of, Where are you from? Where, you know, what other ships have you been on? And, and just you, you just have nothing but time to really enjoy the other humans that are, that are on the ship. Yeah, the activities are really socializing. Or you could have some solo time if you wanted to read a book or sketch or take photos, like you said. On our cruise, there was the watercolor instructor that some people signed up to do. That was kind of fun for us to just watch and, you know, watch other creative people and just their talents. Or you could talk to the captain. He would show you on a map where we were going. You could grab binoculars. So not any uh, like surf rider or rock climbing or go-karting <laughs> or zip lining. But, you know, hoisting the sails if you wanted to, you didn't have to, that was for sure. But if you wanted to participate, you could, if you were like really interested in talking to the captain about things. So like we're talking very bare basics, not a lot of programming on, you know, a daily navigator. It's really just find what interests you for the day and you can do it. And then eating becomes an activity because there's, Three meals a day, maybe a snack before dinner, kind of like a, we like to call it happy hour orders kind of thing. But um, every day it was the same time. So you would eat at the coffee, coffee and tea would go out at seven o'clock in the morning. Breakfast was at eight. I think lunch was at one. And then dinner was, you know, around six o'clock. So, and like Dan said before, you would kind of line up like a bucket brigade and they would have the food come up from the galley because the stairs are really steep, just like, you know, most boats, not cruise ships, but boats. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's more of a ladder than a staircase. Yeah. Exactly. You would pass, you know, the plates from one person to another to ultimately get it kind of to the buffet style where it was. Okay, I want to ask you about port stops, but before we get there, we need to pause for a second to thank our amazing show sponsor. So we'll be right back. Hey, DCL Duo fans, we just want to take a minute to thank our amazing sponsor, Touring Plans Travel. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacations and Disney vacations and love the service and expertise that we get from our travel specialist at Touring Plans Travel. And know you will too. We also love the Touring Plans philosophy that really puts the guest ahead of the product and focuses on guest experience over selling you a vacation. So if you'd like to support our show, head over to touringplans.com slash travel and get a free quote on your next Disney vacation. Remember, Touring Plans Travel doesn't charge extra and you don't pay anything for their services. Disney pays the Touring Plans agents once you travel, so it costs you nothing extra. So head over to Touring Plans Travel, get that free quote, let them know the DCL Duo sent you, and uh, it'll help support our show. So thank you, Touring Plans Travel, for all the support. And now back to our episode. So you mentioned stops. You mentioned that the, the, the ship anchors essentially so part of the time you're sailing part of the time you're you're anchored it sounds like and so do, do they do they tender you into like a dock and you could just wander around or like what, what were the stop the quote-unquote port stops like for the uh, for the cruise yeah we went to two port stops so on our cruise we went to stonington which is a small town. There's like a lot of ferries that could take people to these towns, but way cooler to arrive by a schooner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we went to this, I think it's called Rock Island or Russ Island. I mean, it was just like a beach island. You just walk around and take photos. And I didn't even take my camera. We just took our cell phones to take photos of each other so we could be a little more agile and quick on our feet, like the Incredibles. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was really fun to feel like a kid. But yeah, like you said, you do tender out there, you get in a rowboat, they lower a rowboat on a pulley system from the side of the boat. And then you go down like a three-step ladder and the crew helps you go in the boat. And then you're either on the outside. So it's at like 10 people maybe, and you row to get to the shore. So, you know, the crew would help you. The crew was pretty young. I think the captain, you know, is definitely the oldest, wisest person on the ship. And then the crew was, you know, they all felt like they were in their 20s. They were great. They were amazing. And some of them were, you know, repeat crew from previous years, as we understood. So they would tell you how to, you know, row. Not that you don't know how to row, but in sync, they would row more efficiently. Yeah. More efficiently. Yes. Um, So yeah, they would row you out and you didn't have to go. Some people just stayed on the ship because they didn't want to walk around or because they'd been there before and they just wanted to enjoy the ship. 
And then they would tell you, you know, you have to be back here in an hour and a half. We're going to row back. But there's no like check-in, like there's no magic band checking you back into the ship. (laughs) They they pretty much can just count (laughs) that everybody came back, you know. It's like a day at summer camp. (laughs) And so it sounds like you had, so you mentioned like be back in like an hour and a half. It doesn't sound like you had a ton of time to wander around these towns or or in I'm curious what you did, right? Like these are small towns, I take it. So yeah. there's not a lot to do to begin with. <laughs> yeah. But what, what kinds of things did you do? Really just for us, it was like a, a curious photo walking tour of the town for both instances. There, you're right. There's not a ton to do. You could grab a cu- cup of coffee. I guess you could grab a beer. You could grab food if you wanted to. We went into the grocery store because we were kind of curious what they were selling. But this is like a little neighborhood market, not like, you know, your stop and shop or Vons or whatever. Right. It was very much a slice of life. Yeah. Just jumping into these towns and it was, it, it wasn't a tourist, right. port, but by right. any stretch of imagination, it was, <laughs> yeah. There's not like some planned excursion where you're going to go zip lining. It's you're going to go pop into the local stores and kind of walk around or check out the, the, the shoreline or something like that, more leisurely unplanned exploring. Yeah. Yeah. And you really got you really got a sense of what life is like in these in these towns in in Maine. And, you know, like working, you see working lobster men out there tending their traps. And as we go into town, you see, you know, the the real estate listings, you know, in the front window taped (laughs) up in the front window. It's like (laughs) you really get that sense of, oh, this is what Maine is, is like. And it's definitely a, a small town. You wouldn't you wouldn't travel to as a tourist, and that's the beauty of small format cruising. Is yeah. like you you get to check these places out that you would just never go to. All right. Well, we got to get to we got to get to food, right? Of course, but <laughs> I, I'm like dying to ask about the lobster. Of course, yes. of course. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's, let's sort of ge- like generally, like I, I I'm looking at the website, and it sounds like they have some. Amazing food offerings. I thought I saw mentioned that they cook over a wood burning stove or something. But but what was the what was the food like? And I'm also curious. Did you be, because of the size of the ship and the crew? You mentioned being able to participate in the sailing aspects. Were you also invited to participate in the cooking aspects? So anyway, yeah. what, what was the food like and the experience like with the food? I'll talk about the food overall, and then Dan, do you want to take the lobster night? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so the food overall was, I have to say, delicious. We're like a little bit of food snobs. You're in good company. Okay, good company. good. We <laughs> love good food. And, um, you know, Sam and I were talking before about quality ingredients, and that really matters to us. Food was phenomenal. I was shocked. You just wouldn't necessarily go on a sailboat and expect the food to be so good, but... It was amazing. He cooks on a, uh, Matthew was our chef and he cooks on a wood burning fire stove. I don't know how he does it. I mean, imagine if you started a fire and you put a pot over it and you made a meal. Like, <laughs> that just, <laughs> I mean, it's like totally colonial Williams to me. <laughs> I mean, he had, you know, it's, and it's, I mean, picture, you know, the early 1800s, 1900s, the ship is from the early 1900s. So some of the boats, from what we understand, have a little more of an advanced kitchen, but several of them have this wood burning fire stove. And there's a couple of burners that you can't touch, but he has to like control it with, you know, a special tool, like kind of like you would have your tools in front of a fireplace at your home. And you smell the smoke coming up like the little chimney stack on the top deck. I mean, for the week after we got off the boat, we would smell that like wood burning smell and think of the ship again, which you smell the good amount in Maine. <laughs> so the so the, the galley's down below, I take it, yeah, on the same yeah. level as the cabins? Exactly. Yeah. So the galley's down below. Um, you can eat down there if you want, if it's raining or like really windy or anything up top. But we mostly ate on the on the top deck, which was really nice. So you can't participate in the cooking, but you do participate if you want. They were so cute. in the drying of the dishes, because they hand washed them all. And because of COVID, they added like this extra neutralizing um, sanitation step to them that they, from what I understand, didn't necessarily do before because it wasn't necessary the way they cleaned them. But they cleaned the the dishes. Um, the crew pretty much did it, which I think is also new because of COVID. Like they used to encourage their guests to kind of all chip in and do that before, but now the crew really does it. And which actually they have burning hot water in the bucket with soap. And 
I liked cleaning some of the dishes because you were so cold that the hot mm-hmm. water was so nice. But you clean them and then, you know, they they say, well, you know, dessert's about to come up, but we have three cookies downstairs if anybody wants to dry. <laughs> so, which was fun because you got to talk to people and, you know, the crew and you got to talk to other guests, which was kind of nice. So I did it a couple of times. Dan was more so the one help, helping hoist the sails, but I like being in the galley. It's not, I don't know if you can't help them cook. It's just like, you don't really know when they're doing it unless you're standing in the galley or you smell the smoke. Like you just assume they're cooking all the time. And it's kind of intimidating, like looking at what he's doing in the wood burning mm-hmm. stove. And you're like, I wouldn't even know how to do that. I just turn the burner on high or low and make eggs in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And they have um, an ice chest on board. It's like literally a huge box with ice in it. So you could BYO. So if you wanted to, which you knew ahead of time, they told you that before you got on the ship. So if you wanted to bring wine or beer or you know any special kind of drink, like seltzer or juice or whatever, you could bring it and kind of rotate it out in the ice box. But they had coffee and tea um, with breakfast and lunch, not dinner. They had hot chocolate if you wanted hot chocolate, which was nice. (laughs) And then they had, you know, other water and tea. I think he made iced tea that he made or lemonade with every meal. Or um, once it was like a fruit juice he made, that was really good. But I mean, you were, you were actually never hungry. I was worried like, Oh my God, there's not like an ice cream bar and there's not like snacks to get like a normal cruise. Are we going to be hungry? Should we bring snacks? You can't get chocolate vanilla swirl on deck. I know. <laughs> no, but we did have ice cream one night. Didn't you make ice cream? That was really, you really, you don't go hungry. The food's just really good. It's hearty. Um, he was sensitive to if anybody had any allergies or anything. I was shocked we didn't have any vegetarians even on the boat. Nobody was really allergic to anything. One person was allergic to avocado, but that didn't really affect us. Avocado is obviously not native to Maine, and they tried to do like <laughs> right. <laughs> you mean they don't serve guacamole at all their local <laughs> restaurants? <laughs> uh, now I'm craving guacamole, but they did serve you know some like he made a smoked fish dip one night that was really good, and blueberries are like a, ma- a major thing in Maine. Actually, not as big as lobster, but kind of second to lobster is their blueberries and chowders, I guess. Chowdas. He made these amazing blueberry pancakes the morning after we got on board. And I was like, is this like a fluke? Because it was our first meal. So you board on Sunday night, but they tell you to eat dinner before you get on the on the ship. Matthew would make this incredible fresh bread with almost, you know, with every lunch. So the leftovers would sit there so you could pick up bread, which, you know, like on a cruise ship, I think people would like kind of gawk at like, why is this bread still sitting out? But like, how many of us still have bread on our counter? Like you have a loaf of bread, it's sitting (laughs) on your counter for you to snack at. Like it's kind of very homey in that way. And then the ultimate dinner is, was the lobster bake, which we ended up having on the ship because the weather was a little inclement. But I told, I said to Dan, that's just fine because I don't really love sand with my food. So, (laughs) So that was a really cool experience. Tell us about that lobster bake, Dan. Yeah, so lobster night on the American Eagle. It was the captain went rode ashore, got a big, I don't know, container full of lobster, yeah. and then we cook it right there. We had a boil right there on the deck, and they gave us a quick tutorial on how to eat a lobster, which was <laughs> which was great and a good reminder. Or you know, it was new for some people, but uh, they had hot dogs and hamburgers and kind of sides with it, but it. The star of the show, of course, was fresh lobster that was like you literally saw it go into the pot and then it then it went on your plate. <laughs> and it was it was it was all you can eat. So how, yeah. how can you go wrong? So at, at some point you're like, oh, no more lobster, please. Uh, <laughs> OK, one more. <laughs> Uh, but you, you know, it just it just doesn't get any better than that. Fresh, really fresh, and you really it was an experience. And uh, we were all sitting around, you know, wrestling with our lobsters, and and there was a lot of laughing and and just enjoying the food, but also enjoying the company that was there. And something that was really cool about having a lobster bake on the ship is that for a couple of days at that point, you'd been going in and out of these harbors and around these islands, and there are just lobster boats everywhere like hundreds and hundreds of them never mind the lobster buoys that you pass in the water constantly so you, at that point you really get a feel for how much this is a part of their culture and what makes Maine special we learned that about 90 percent of the lobsters in the united states come from maine so you're really like tasting their economy and their livelihood and their natural resources. We're happy to say because we you know write about sustainability with especially marine cuisine and the lobster. You know they're all 
a certain length in the body. And one of the cool things is that we got soft shell lobsters, which I had never heard of. But the I didn't know was, that exist. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the captain was explaining it. And a lot of the reason people don't know it exists is because it never reaches you because they're harder to ship. They, can, they can't survive out of the water for longer. And hard shell lobsters and soft shell lobsters are the same lobsters, but they're in between shells. Oh, so it's like in a molting process or something. Exactly. Yep. So they still have a shell. It's just a little softer. You could crack the tail with your hands and they cost a little less from what we understand because they can't ship them. So the meat's a little bit more tender. Um, it's going to be in our, our post about this that I can link you guys up about the differences of highlighting meat and cuisine. But they were just, I mean, we like lobster, but we're not like Gaga over lobster. <laughs> but this was the best freaking lobster I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I was blown away. And they don't even do anything to it. They, If you've ever seen an oyster roast or kind of like how somebody would fry a turkey, it was its own like huge steam pot hooked up to propane. And that's how they steam them. And it, they opened it. There wasn't anything in there but water and lobster. And they, the crew worked to pour cold water on the deck on this um, piece of cloth that the captain had put out so it didn't burn the deck. And they very methodically like poured the cold water as he poured um, the hot water out from the steam pot. And then, yeah, it was amazing. And then he just opened them and had these beautiful lobsters and they were just phenomenal. You could eat it with butter, you know, good old <laughs> melted butter. And that was pretty much it, like Dan said. And it was just... Delicious. So who were eating who was eating the hamburgers and hot dogs, by the way? Oh yeah. <laughs> so people that didn't like lobster, which I thought was so weird, but some people like would, you know, had a little bit. Actually, the main hot dogs are very interesting. They're neon red. Call them red dogs, I think. They're neon red. They're like not a good hot dog, if you ask me. They're made from lobster shell. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what, what it looked like that too. Did you? We tried one. We split one because we were like, we have to try this. Yeah, man. Um, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't go travel too far <laughs> for a red hot dog. But yeah, uh, it was one of those things you had. You had to try it while you were there. Yeah. Right. Right. No, that makes sense. <laughs> now I'm interested in this hot dog. I have to. I'm going to have to research this main hot yes. dog. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking online for you, Sam, right now, and it looks like they. It looks like a hot dog that they add red food coloring to. <laughs> Weird. Sam, before we move on i mean look the the theme of the cruise here sounds like quiet solitude and relaxation in a rustic setting but what an amazing sounding experience you two had and just it, it sounds like a lovely way to relax and unplug uh for a few days maybe i should ask one more question which is just cost and looking at the website it doesn't look like it's outrageously expensive for for the cruise that you did but what did you think about the cost and the value out of the the cruise so it was a little under $900 per person for what we did. And I thought it was an excellent value. We have a bad habit of not remembering to factor in gratuities like when we're booking something as in terms of budget. But we are strong believers that you know if somebody did a good job, they deserve the gratuity and the tip. So we were so happy to tip the incredible crew. From what we understood from other people who had done it, like especially that couple that we befriended and loved, um, we had asked them, oh, do you tip the captain? And they said, not really, because they own the ship. So we tipped five people and we did somewhere between five and 10%. So it's about like $400 in additional money. And of course, that varies based on the length of your cruise, just like it does for Disney Cruise Line or any other cruise. We do not carry that much cash on us. So <laughs> <laughs> luckily, we asked um, ahead of time if we could Venmo. Uh, so the main deckhand kind of collected on our ship, collected all the tips and kind of divides them for the rest of the crew. I mean, it was more expensive for us to get to Maine and rent a car during that time because of what happened with the rental cars in the pandemic, that they sold them all and then prices skyrocketed. And it was for actual experience. But the value was, was, I thought, phenomenal. And really a singular, unique experience that you could say was once in a lifetime, but you could do it again. It sounds like an amazing cruise. If we could find something similar up here in the Seattle area, I think we might we might give it a shot, give it a go. 
Although we'd have to do without our son because he would probably fall overboard and we would never see him again. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, Sam, we have reached that point in our show where I'm going to throw it over to you for rapid fire. So take it yeah. away. So last time we talked to you both, we did a Disney Cruise Line focused rapid fire. Now I'm going to switch it, switch gears a little bit and do a small ship cruising rapid fire. So uh, what is your favorite small ship line i'm gonna have to say emerald cruises oh good one good one emerald cruises for 800 <laughs> what about you mikhail i also love emerald cruises we are going on another emerald cruise in september but i also am very interested in atlas ocean voyages which is an expedition cruise line that's already out and you can book but it is kind of media debuting the first week of August. So I'm super excited about that. Mm. Favorite small ship that you've been on? And this is so not just the line, the individual ship. Mikkel, we'll start with you. I'm going to go with the latest and greatest. So mm. I'm going to say American Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's always going to be my answer. That's a little bit of a cheat answer. But. <laughs> the most recent, the one the yeah. one that's on, you're still on your mind. Dan, what yeah, about exactly. you? Oh, she stole my answer. The American Eagle was just, it was such a great experience. I, I, I have to agree. Yeah. Favorite small ship activity? I'm going to say either napping in the middle of the day and letting like <laughs> the breeze come in through your balcony or this is lame, but we like our coffee and I have really good memories of us kind of just like making an espresso or a coffee and just hanging out in like the lounge of a river cruise ship and talking. What would you say, Dan? I, I, I'm definitely going to cheat on this one. It is actually the small ports that mm -hmm. we go to. Uh, so the activity is getting off the ship, but it's it's because it's you just get to visit those places. You just would never find yourself on a, on a normal trip. Yeah. Well, it's a perfect segue to my next question, Dan, which is what was your what's your favorite port visit um, on a small ship? I, I definitely have to say Antwerp, Belgium. Great little, well, the big city, uh, but there was so much to explore and we definitely lost track of time when we were on shore. Awesome. I would say, I think Budapest is a really cool port. Also not small. I'm going to, okay, small, retrack. Uh, no, no, still, but you visited on a small ship, so. Yeah. Okay. That counts. Yeah. Yeah. And Amsterdam, another big city, but something I love about Amsterdam is that you can so easily go to really small cities from Amsterdam. And that was cool too, because our ship left from Amsterdam and docked back at Amsterdam. So we were able to tack on a few extra days to explore. So that was really cool. Awesome. All right. Favorite onboard dining experience on any small ship? Lobster. Hmm. Yeah, it's got to be lobster. <laughs> night. <laughs> lobster night. Love it. <laughs> and again, we're not lobster snobs, but that lobster was amazing. <laughs> so my next question is bucket list small ship cruise. Mikkel, why don't we start with you? Oh my God, I have so many. Okay, so Antarctica. I'm going to say with Atlas Ocean <laughs> Voyages. I'm going to say Contiki Expeditions, exploring the coast of Ecuador, which is a new experience. And Contiki just looks amazing. And then I'm also going to say Aqua Expeditions, which I want to sail on the Mekong River in Asia. Mm -hmm. Because the ship looks, it's like this really sexy black and like um, wood color, like a, like a dark walnut. And it just looks so damn sexy and, you know, looks like a really intimate experience. So those are my top three. Wow. You got a, a good bucket list there. <laughs> yeah. You got to dream big. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Yeah, I don't have a specific, I, I'll give you a region. I, I definitely want to do Asia and see maybe Vietnam, Cambodia. Like that is, that would be really, really interesting just to, to be in the jungle and, and ex explore those ports. Yeah. All right. My last question is, might be controversial to some of our listeners. You've got a choice of a seven night Disney cruise or a seven night small ship cruise. <laughs> which, which one are you going on? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Let's start with Dan. I, I'm going to have to go small ship. I did enjoy my Disney cruise experiences, but um, it's just the intimacy of, of a small ship is, is interesting to me. Would you take me with you? Uh, yeah, maybe. Okay, then I'll say Disney Cruise Line and I'll take you with me. No, 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 no. Let's say, ignore, ignore Dan's answer. Mikhail. Oh my God, 
I have a great answer. <laughs> Adventures by Disney on a river cruise ship. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. That's that's a fair compromise. <laughs> you get a little bit of you get some Disney flavor, but you get the intimacy of a small er ship. And I say small er. Yeah, because yeah, you're still talking usually a couple hundred people. No, you're not going to be on. It's not going to be the 16 passenger thing. <laughs> well, Dan, Mikhail, it has been fabulous as always catching up with both of you about your fabulous adventures. We definitely want to continue to catch up with you as you sail again in the future. You said it at the top of the show, but do you want to remind folks how they can follow along as well with your cruising adventures? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow along at sometimeshome.com or sometimes home at, you know, all the all the major channels, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook. Uh, TikTok now. We're TikToking. The TikTok. Like the kids are doing. Coordinated uh, dance routines on on board ships. I like it. Our our eight year old niece is our guide for TikTok. (laughs) And then, when you want to learn more about uh, cruising and follow along with our cruising adventures, that is sometimes sailing.com. And uh, same thing, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, the tweets. And there's a ton of amazing photography done by Mikkel on, on both of these websites as she is a professional photographer and it's really just some beautiful stuff to see thank you well again thank you for joining us today Mikhail and dan and sharing your experience we really appreciate it thanks for having thank us you so much we adore you guys so this is great thanks well we also absolutely adore dan and Mikhail and love having them on the show if you have not checked out their blog sometimes sailing and sometimes home head over, check out those blogs. Lots of great information, especially on for us on Sometimes Sailing about small ship cruising. So love to check out their stuff. And Mikhail's photos are absolutely gorgeous. So we cannot wait to have them back on to hear them more about their cruising experiences. So stay tuned. We expect to have them on again. So with that, we do have another five-star review that I want to read on the air this week from Apple Podcasts. This one comes from Jessa LC, who writes, Excellent variety. Started just as the pandemic hit, this podcast has visited various ships, itineraries, ports of departure, port adventures, Disneyland, Disney World, and more. If you are planning a Disney cruise or planning a Disney trip or just wishing you could listen. Well, thanks, Jess Elsie. We cannot wait to be back traveling ourselves again. We just got back from Alani, headed on the dream this Friday. We've got lots of planned vacations coming, so we're really excited to continue to share all that Disney has to offer with all of our listeners out there and bring on fabulous guests so that they can share their experiences as well. So thank you, Jessa. We really appreciate the feedback. So with that, I do once again want to extend a special thank you to our patrons out there. Thank you, patrons, for making this show happen. Your support really means a lot to us. So with that, I do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. As always, please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us those five-star reviews. You can hear your review on the air, and we love getting listener feedback. So head over, leave us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at DCL Duo. You can also join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. We do have a video coming out about Alani soon, as soon as I finish editing it, and we will be on the dream here on Friday, so more video content coming. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.